Hey all, as promised, here's part two of our final three question supercut featuring TSL guests. And as always, if you want to know who you're listening to, you can check in the description of the episode below. And we're back this Thursday with new episodes, so make sure you tune in. But until then, enjoy. What brings you the most joy when it comes to directing? Mm, seeing that spark in somebody's face when they really get something and they know that you're you're going they're going to take it far, you know, in in into something that you're you're good jealous of. I get this good jealous feeling. You know, when somebody just is brilliant and you're thinking, damn it, I wish I could do that. Uh, it's incredible. I wish I had done that, but they've done it and it's just amazing. And now it can't be done again because you've done it. <laughs> but it's just, a, I love that. When I get the good jealous feeling, uh, that's when I know that, yeah, that things are really, really uh, amazing. I've had that several times on this, uh, on, on this production, uh, which is just uh, incredible. Yeah. The flip side of this question is, of course, what pisses you off about directing? Oh, what pisses me off about directing? Um, I won't say it pisses me off, but I, the, what the, what is a, a part of the the and I don't know whether it, it because I'm like a studio owner and a director that maybe it's unique to that kind of a setup. But I do find myself, especially in the last year of production, where I know what's important. The face in the center of the screen is important, whether the hand and the, the side of the screen grows and shrinks a little bit because the animator, you know, you know, mightn't mightn't have paid that much attention to it. But we have this amount of time, this amount of money left or whatever. Um, I like I always go for like, what's the important thing and the scene? Is that working? Then that's great. Let's go with that. Uh, so I'm often the person in the room saying, eh, actually, that's not important. Um, you know, when somebody says that hand is like, you know, jiggling or it's, it's not working right or whatever. Um, uh, so so that's, the, I suppose, the surprising thing about directing. It's not like, let's strive for the best that we can be. It's it's like, yeah, that, that bit doesn't really matter. So let's just like go with the face. Let's not spend our animators either because they can spend a long time fixing that hand, but then they might be really tired when it gets to the face in the next scene, you know? So, uh, so, so just, um, yeah, a lot of times you get to be the person that's going, no, no, that's not, that's not that important. So let's just, you know, go for the things that are, that are really important. And then your heads of department are the ones that are really striving for the best. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I love that. That applies to writing too. You know, sometimes you just have to, in this version, in this draft, you're going to go for the important parts and know that the other parts are not going to be developed or what they need to be because you're going to have 15 drafts. So just mm -hmm. focus on, on the arc or what's happening. And so the other question, last question is, if you could be remembered for one scene you've directed and you've created, uh, which would it be and why? In any film? Any film, any film. Any film. I think it's the Suleiman story in The Breadwinner. Um, for me, that's uh, something that really, um, like, Pravana remembering her brother who she couldn't speak of because the tra trauma in their family was so great. Um, a child who picked up what he thought was a toy and it uh, uh, wasn't. It was something that took his life. Uh, that was something that it took us a long time to find exactly what that was going to be and how it could express something that was multi-generational, um, you know, encapsulated all of the different conflicts uh, that that we were trying to uh, represent uh, with that film. I think for me, um, that's one that uh, uh, felt like it just came from, um, yeah, from 
a collective voice i think i, I, I think maybe that's i suppose of, of anything that uh, i i think i probably go to my grave <laughs> no matter what i do you know or or what perspective i have on whatever i think that's probably the one that I, I, i'll go to my grave thinking i'm i'm proud that Suleiman got to speak uh, in, in, in that part of that film. What brings you the most joy when it comes to your writing? Uh, what brings me the most joy is people enjoying it, honestly. Like I write because I want to emotionally connect with people. And so if people feel an emotional connection to something that I have written and they really enjoyed it, then that brings me a lot of joy. That's awesome. And what pisses you off about, about writing? God, so much. <laughs> about writing or being a writer? Um, Either. Being a writer is all the bullshit around being able to get paid to write. Um, the lack of respect for writers, the fact that writers names are not even listed in half the articles about movies or the listings or the the fact that like you hand in your draft and then they could just never speak to you again and and you have no control over what happens to it um and that people don't understand the process behind it and and they'll say like oh that was a horrible script and i'm like you don't understand that writer had to make so many compromises just to get paid and it starts from the very outline concept and so i never judge a movie these days and say that's a horrible writer because you you have no idea that in order to even gotten hired to write that movie I'm sure that writer is really fucking good and that the reason they had to put in that alien hooker was because some executive <laughs> assistant's girlfriend was like wouldn't it be great if you put an alien hooker in that movie and you're like I guess I need, I need to pay my rent so I will make that happen sure okay um, so, um, oh that's amazing that is something that that makes me really angry about the, the actual process of writing is just uh writing <laughs> writing sucks it's, i love it but it's so hard it's just it is hard it's, so, it's hard. so hard i wish it would just come out of my brain i wish you could just download it out of my brain perfectly like, just there yeah, it is perfect. it's fantastic it is. we're done yeah. uh, jeff <laughs> you you could ask the last question um yeah i uh that was just such a great answer Irene. i think like <laughs> it is so true that like the immediacy with which people criticize a screenplay, it's like <laughs> there's been 90, that was the first 10% of this project. And there have been so many iterations and so many departments. I just, I felt that was a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I always ask is if you could be remembered for one scene that you've written, what scene would that be and why? Oh, that I've written that's been produced or that I've ever written? Uh, either one. Actually, I would love to hear, if you have two different answers, I'd love to hear both. Okay, uh, let me think. Of the movies that have been produced, the I mean, I I do just I love the stinky tofu scene in a sugar and spice holiday. I it like because that's my mom. That's my mom. It happens basically like with you know someone at my house. My mom, the way that she feeds people and the way that food is so central to our life, and that it's like if you want to get into my mom's heart, like eat her food sort of thing. So like that, that family dynamic, um, I love that scene. And I love that I got to, to represent that like side of, of Asian family life. Um, so that definitely would probably be one of my favorite scenes that has been produced. And then uh, my favorite scene is from, I have a, a, a script that I wrote called Time Out and it's about um, 
semi-autobiographical about mom rage and the loss of identity. And um, it uh, there's a scene where she has a total and complete breakdown and uh, literally like, and this other woman is like, tells her to like, she's breaking shit. She's in a, she's in a barn full of old junk and she's got a bat and she's just like letting out all of her mom rage and admits that her deepest fear is like when she comes out she's like, I'm a horrible mother like and that is in this moment of just like absolute raw uh motherhood and that was one of my favorite scenes that I've written because that's another besides holiday movies mom issues are very central to my life and representing mothers and the experience of motherhood is another area of stories that uh, is not respected and that is looked down upon and condescended and um, and not represented. It's either you're a perfect mom or you're like a horrible, you know, horrible mom. And that medium zone of motherhood in its reality where you could, but you know, like that balance of like trying to show the honesty and the rawness and um, that. And so that scene for the me- The humanity. Yeah. The humanity of, of motherhood. Of motherhood. And um and so I I love that scene because that's the moment where like it releases, where she like she voices that fear and then by voicing it, she can um, sort of heal or, or begin to try to, to heal from that. Um, and so that's so hopefully someday that will be <laughs> will be a produced one. So I would love for that to happen. Wow. We all need it. What brings you the most joy when it comes to writing? Uh-huh. I think what brings me the most joy when it comes to writing is um, like characters and spending time with characters and and finding, I, I really actually love to find ways in which the story is not working. Um, while it's like very complicated and a frustrating process, it brings me joy because it makes me feel like if I do that work, it's going to get me to what the script really actually is meant to be. Um, so I would say that, uh, that that finding ways in which it doesn't work gives me joy. Hmm. And for me, Constanza, I think it's just getting uh, getting to spend time with, with characters and getting to know them and discovering things that, you know, because even if I, like, I tend to write from my own personal experience. And so I'm learning to deviate from that and being able to be like well while I'm writing about things I know this this person I'm creating on the page is a whole different person and like what can I learn and how will will she or he or they help me navigate where they need to go I think that's an exciting new thing that I recently discovered um and what about your and I might also just ask a second question here what brings you the most joy of producing the most joy producing. I honestly, I think is watching the film with a group of, of of people who are not my friends and are not my peers and seeing the reaction and seeing them feel and navigate through the emotions because then that means we did something right. So that is something you know, it's not the same thing to watch a movie with your peers, your collaborators, your family, your friends, and to watch it with complete strangers who like really don't need to tell you how great your film is or not. Um, and who, and you can just feel the room, you know, and, and that's my favorite thing about 
I hope like continuing to be able to experience films together in a room with a group of strangers because that energy and that sense of community is like sanctuary. It's like, it's like, it doesn't, it, it it's, it's like, it, it's something that while it's very comfy for me to just watch TV from my bed and like consume, you know, all of the things and it's great. Like, being able to feel the energy of others who are strangers who and all of us just experiencing the same thing is like really really unique and and I really enjoy that but I really do love even even the hard times I I I enjoy because they make me learn and grow and for me with producing I think is um I'm I'm kind of rediscovering my joy with producing. Um, I am experiencing a little bit of, I would say, a burnout <laughs> in full transparency um, because we have been making, you know, in this third year, it will be 30 films that we make with 30 directors um, in such a short amount of time. So it's a lot of personalities. It's a lot of um, incredible storytellers, but it's also a lot of, um, it's a lot of, um, liability to carry as well um and this is from like a production company point of view um it's it's you know bringing bringing 30 films to life it takes the same amount of time to make a three-day shoot or the same energy and the same dedication to make you know a feature um with 65 people or a short with 65 people the feature just goes on for longer um, but the reality is each project is is very, very demanding. And um, I'm rediscovering, I, I think for me, the joy is really um, the, you know, the the stories. Um, and um, and I think that what it's what it's doing for the future um, of, of these filmmakers when we make these films. All right. So what pisses you off about your work? What pisses me off about my work? A lot of things, but if I could nail it down to one, I think um, when I realize that somebody is not willing to be vulnerable um, and I'm like, oh shit, how can I help you? How can we get you? Because ultimately that's all a producer, a mentor, anybody can do. Like even your peers, you know, like, mentorship can be your peers it's like are they telling you the truth i like honestly if somebody if i give somebody a script or a story and they come back with amazing feedback i'm like okay i will never ask you again because you're not telling me the truth and so um i think i think that just when i realize like oh like how do i get you to be vulnerable and also when people are not navigating with reality and it's like they get stuck on the but why but why and it's like there's so little time you have to turn your nose into a yes into a positive like like I I live by that I'm like everything all the obstacles will come your way at a script level in production you can prep 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 and like still something's gonna happen and I think that it really annoys me when people are not willing to just be like okay challenge sucks yes let's acknowledge it takes five minutes to just cry about it and whatever but now we have to keep going and now we have to to make a film and so that's that's yeah that annoys me yeah I think for me 
what really angers me about the work is when you just see the person get in their way, it's similar to what you're saying in their own way. And you're like, but I am telling you all the ways in which you could actually get out of the ways for yourself so that you can go, you know, and, and that's hard. It's hard to watch someone struggle with that. Um, and it makes the work like not that fun. Yeah. I, I am currently in that cycle myself of getting also, in my own way. <laughs> also yeah. when people like, to you about the like it's like oh yeah I hear you I'm listening I'm listening I ignore everything you told me and I you know like or, or where it feels like the feedback is received in a really like positive way I, sometimes I feel like we've you know people have been trained to to just say yes to things and then do the other and I don't find that to be a good collaboration and I don't you know, mm. I, I find that to be just a waste of everybody's time. I would rather sit with someone who's says, I, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. And, and talk, then I know. And talk uh, about why, you know, don't tell me, yes, I'll do it. I agree. Like disagree and let's have a conversation. Yeah. Um, otherwise. I find this is such an interesting thing from a producer's perspective, because as a writer, in order to keep ourselves safe, we say, yes. Sure. Yeah, I'll go look into that because engaging in a conversation sometimes can be not the right move. So I think to your earlier point, it's really about the relationship you have with your collaborators, with your producers. Like if the production team, like you guys have created a safe space and you have been vulnerable and you are telling the truth, then that creates a relationship where the writer feels safe to tell the truth. But a lot of the dynamics are just so emerging writers listening who might be in the working with their first producer relationship, like do not assume that you can negotiate a note with a producer, right? What they do want to hear is take the note and then you go figure it out. Very, you're a very rare team. You got you, the two of you who want to hear from a writer or director uh, why? Because it takes a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of getting you out of your own way and convincing and like all those super producer skills, right? That you have to have that uh, exhaust, right? Um, so I just want to warn our emerging writers. I think what you both are saying is excellent, excellent advice. But I know just from listening to you guys chat for the last hour that you bring yourselves wholly and vulnerably and truthfully to the exchange. And so you are showing yourself first so that a writer can trust then. And it's still, but writers, uh, we are all trained to be like, we get fired at any minute. We're expendable. So there is a, a fear of pushing back, of telling and the that's truth. Totally valid. And it's totally valid. And a lot of times people do give notes that haven't spent the right amount of time on scripts or stories um, and are projecting their own ideas and thoughts on how they want to concoction your film. And so it's totally, totally valid. It really, like, I, I'm really speaking from a place of like, you know, the collaboration's been there. I've put myself in the lava. I've, you know, shown up completely. I've lost sleep. I've been there holding you. And so to be lied to is not nice. Um, but, but it's, yeah, it's very complex. And so, yes, I am speaking specifically to, um, to when you have established, uh, a real trust and, and it just feels like, you know, that, that trust got 
portrayed in a way. But I think, Lauren, you mentioned something that I think about all the time. And I think this is a systemic issue of Hollywood Mm -hmm. and of the way that like that executive or producer or uh, writer relationship. So I would really encourage all of the executives and any producers who are listening to like check in with yourself like and 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 you know if you like because for me it's like if I give a notice like here's an example of what I how what I'm trying to get at don't necessarily use that but and and let's talk about it you know what I mean like but but not having the time to allocate for dialogue and for conversation because and then and then use your power to say well if you don't do this you will be fired kind of thing and is is something that like you have to like be careful of but I would say also like maybe a good healthy way would be like okay here's me trying the things that you want me to do and here's why they don't work like that's exactly the the other way to come about it and say okay look I tried your because that happened for example on a film where it's like we had a we had a film like the parameters of the program is that you have to make a 15 minute film, right? And it has to be 15 minutes or less. And what we did is that, you know, this film, like we we're like, okay, let's see the 15 minute version. When we watched it, we we're like, oh shit, this film does not work at 15 minutes. And now I know that I can confidently go back to the team and say, hey, this doesn't work. And here's why, watch it, you know? And, and so I think also like trying the note and being like, okay, this is why it doesn't work and being able to that, back it up. Is, that's is it. it. And as a professional writer, it's important to go a step further. Take the note, investigate, try it, doesn't work. Take the note, investigate it, try it, doesn't work. Try it this way, this way. Then find a solution that works. Bring yeah. that to the table so that you're not just bringing the, here's why your note didn't work. You're saying, I tried all these things. Here's why they didn't work. I found something that works, totally. right? Like, I think even when you're working with a collaborator, they don't want to have a check-in with you, like a healthy, you know, what they don't want to have a check-in with you. We're like, it's not working. You want to be like, I tried this. It's almost there. I need more time. You know, I think it's our job is to solve problems, writers, Absolutely. creatives, yeah. right? So, yeah. So, yeah. And yeah. I always say like, it's the note behind the note. And when a note is given, oftentimes the suggestion is going to be wrong. The person doesn't know how to fix your script. They don't know your script or your film as closely. They should, I, you know, I mean, you would only hope that every creative knows it as as deeply as you, but as a, as a writer or as a director, you've spent the most time analyzing these and, and your, your actors as well know they spend a lot of time um, with it, but it really comes down to like, if there is a note, it's because something is, there's an imbalance somewhere in this mm-hmm. and something needs to be fixed and i often give the example of like you could be looking at a, at a wall and there could be a frame and people are like i'm not sure about the wall and you're like okay well is it the color you, no it's not the color well is it the, it's and all you really needed to do was you know you change the picture it's still not working really what you needed to do was just straighten it out like there was no you know, not much to do it was just like you know slanted and it just needed I wish every note were that simple honestly <laughs> right right but a lot of times I know I know a lot it is so a lot of times that and it's just yeah I think it's you know the note of like at minute 130 uh take this out or cut earlier they're only asking you because something before wasn't working or something later is feeling too long and so just really being able to be close to your material and enough to enough to recognize 
Um, and we do an exercise sometimes together where we'll sit and watch TV shows and we'll just be like, I have no notes or I would have cut this or I would have changed this or just to also figure out where we where we stand um, in our note giving and and how checking we are doing and checking in yeah. with ourselves and how much is not just a taste note. You know, it's like for us, really, a note is like, don't confuse, don't um, don't bore. <laughs> you know? It's a good note. All right, Jeff, you want to ask the last question? <laughs> Absolutely. And just great, great advice for me, too. It's always nice on this show when the things we say get affirmed by other people. And so we're just grateful. It's very clear that you all are just really, really valuable producers. I think anyone would be lucky to work with both of you. Um, the last question we ask is if you could, and you can answer this however you want, but I'm going to say if you could be remembered for any scene that you've either produced or written what would it be and why? So it could be a project that you've produced and worked on or something that feels more immediately your own. And I'm curious to hear what that would be. Whoa. On the spot. Whoa. Ooh. I'm always curious about when guests get baffled by this. Like you guys listen to the show. You know, no, I coming. know. I forgot this. <laughs> I forgot this. <laughs> I. Yeah. I mean, we've just made so many different stories and worked with so many there. different people. Um, I mean, I, I maybe I would say that the one thing that I would really want to be remembered for, I sorry, um, the one thing that I'd really want to be remembered for is um, our film. We are here. I just really stand by the message um, that it that it sends, and it's a. It's, it's a problem that has been here forever ago and it's a problem that will continue to happen and it's a source of a lot of pain for people and a root of um, mistrust of others and it's just, you know, I, I think for me it's that's the body of work that I could really, um, you know, if I'm remembered for that, I, I would be, that would be really cool, but hopefully something positive came up from people watching that. I think we are here was the the immediate thing. And I, and I was like, is it because I made it? Is it because I directed it? Is it because it's my voice? And to be honest, it's because it's truly our heart. Like it's, it's something that like, it's like, I can say that wholeheartedly, this is extremely Dominica and I in like, in the wake of who we are as humans and, and the kind of, stories and I'm very proud of so many films that we've worked with and projects but I think we are here would be the answer it's a lovely lovely film truly congratulations so the first one is what brings you the most joy when it comes to your work you could think of that in terms of acting the sketch your writing but what brings you the most joy? Um, I think, you know, all I have ever wanted is to belong to a community um, of artists. And so that is what brings me the most joy is um, the sense of community you can find in a project um, or on a coffee date or whatever. I think that that's really uh, just the most magical thing. I think it's super, super 
rewarding to like dive into something with people um, to help them make their project happen, to give them ideas, to break story with them. I just think is just, just the most fun. So what pisses you off about your work? <laughs> oh, what pisses me off about my work? Well, right now the list is long. Things seem hard in television right now. Um, I think the hardest, you know, the thing about my work that suits me the least is the travel. I really, um, I like traveling for like little short amounts of time, but the uprooting nature of, of um, being on location and the question marks that abound when you take a job and wait to see if the pilot's going to go to series and if the series is going to go be picked up for another season and um, the upheaval to like what home is and what that means and where that is, I find really uh, hard, really, really hard. I find that really hard. Hmm. And the last question we have is if you could be remembered for one scene that you've worked on and that could be acted in or written or even maybe a sketch or short that you wrote at Second City, what would that be and why? Good God. If I could be remembered for one scene that I worked on That's hard. I have a favorite scene of mine that I've shot. It's a scene from Fargo. I love that season. So I'd love, I'm curious as a fan. My favorite scene. scene, my favorite scene in Fargo is the scene um, where Colin and I are laying in the bed and I'm watching TV and um, there's just a real slow push in on us in the bed. He's asleep I'm watching TV and I'm pregnant, super pregnant. Um, and I say that's the right that's such a good that's choice. the scene yeah that's that my too. that's my favorite scene ever this is one of my favorite things I've ever shot it was really like a magical moment shooting it um so I always think of of the sort of um incredible like alchemy alchemy of that moment when we made that scene and what that felt like but I hope that I'll be remembered for something I haven't written yet I know I've got a show in me um somewhere uh it's neither one of the features i'm working on right now but i'm trying to i'm trying to get my, my practice going i'm trying to get my my muscles built up so i can find that that thing because i i think it's i think it's in there but i can't um i can't even fathom it right now i can't see it at all so i guess i i hope jeff that it's that thing That's uh, whatever that is. It, it must be sending out its sonar yeah. What brings you the most joy when it comes to your writing? Uh, well, this is a silly little thing, but the most just pure joy is, um, do you ever write something that um, it's, especially if you're moving fast and you have a page that doesn't have a lot of words, but there's like a pitter patter and a rhythm and you're like, it's going, it's like jazz. And you just like, and that lands and then you read it the next day and it's still jazz. And you're like, fuck, yes. That brings you joy. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Uh, All right. So what pisses you off about writing? Uh, <laughs> well, the, 
I think this is the, the hardest thing for me about writing is sometimes I'll work on something that's so specific and so personal that it probably should have been a book because those work better in niche niche audiences. And I'll have something I've built and worked on and love so much and want to see it made. And it's just too small an audience and no one wants to make it. And uh, you go, okay, I, I could keep working. It's that moment where you have to pull the ripcord and go, I could work on that forever and make it so magnificent. And it's still those 10 people are going to love it. And you go, oh man, okay, maybe that should be a book first. By the way, then go do the book because then they're going to love the book and then you can make the movie. There you but go. Until, yeah. yeah. Until then, yeah. there's that frustrating moment. Right. And then the last thing, uh, Lance, is if you could be remembered for one scene that you've written, what would that scene be and why? Oh, God. Oh, my God. Such an easy question, right? <laughs> no, that's incredible. I, uh, I probably should have read these questions. That is a really big one. Does any, can anyone give me any inspiration? Mag, do you have one? You know I love your films. Do I have one of yours? No, uh, of yours. Mine. Uh, when Riley comes home and tells her parents, you want me to be happy, but I'm not. Because it's, oh, it's what I wanted I, to say when I was 11 years old. I can tell you something that I love of yours if you want me to. I can. I, I can. Really? I just, I don't, can I, I, I I'm going to pick something. But I also, um, and maybe I sound like a, a dick when I say this, but I, I've only ever watched my projects once, maybe twice after they're done. So I, because I'm never happy with it. Um, but probably the most, you know, I mean, listen, this shouldn't come as a surprise. Probably the thing that um, I wrote that felt like the necessary thing I needed to write in my life, and I hope I have more of these, was... Uh, was definitely milk. Um, and there, I'm just trying to think of a, there, there was always, I wondered if we could pull off the trick of killing our beloved main character and to construct something in a bit of a, a montage with boy, like, could I construct something where it's still hopeful at the end of this horror? And there's a wonderful documentary made about Harvey, but it goes all the way through the trial and you're just even more horrified. Same with the book. And I, and that's when I thought, what if I, what if I bring him back to life? Cause he made that cassette tape. What if I just bring him back to life the way he must've felt like he was alive again when they found the tape and played it. And so it's it's really simple. And in fact, I didn't write most of the words because he did in that. But I put it all together in that spot with a, the sentiment that he had felt he had never wasn't going to amount to anything by the time he was 50 and in fact, never saw 50. And so that moment in the movie, I remember watching early cuts with just a group of people to kind of test it out. And you could just feel it hit him in the chest. He's still there. There's something about life that lives past, uh, you know, the moment that our heart stops beating. There's something we leave and it can be as powerful as you make it. And, and I thought that the fact that that worked 
felt like magic to me. I wanted it to work. It worked in my brain. It worked on the page when I read it, but there were going to be actors and directors and producers and, you know, and, and the weather and whatever else was going to come down on us in those weeks. And so as a screenwriter to see that it actually fucking worked, that was magic. So probably it's not really a scene, it's a little sequence, but the fact that it, that worked and I didn't just leave people in misery, but gave them a little hope that was special for me. Well, this has been magic. Beautiful film. I'll speak yeah. for myself. Speaking with you today has been magic. Um, oh. We're so, so lucky. Thank you so much yes, for coming. Thank you. Uh, I, I love it. I want to do it every week. Okay. <laughs> Careful. Okay. Careful. I'll, I'll, make, I'll make some more. This is awesome. What brings you the most joy when it comes to writing? What brings me the most joy is something that also brought me joy as an actor is, is when you feel the moment and you, and you feel like, oh, I got it. I got it. This is working. And this is this emotional, you know, uh, climax in this, in this thing. Uh, it, there's just nothing better than that feeling when you feel that you've reached something deep in yourself, something deep in the material. Uh, so that brings me great joy. When I was working with Meg at Pixar, she used to call that the click. <laughs> That's awesome. Right? I, I love the click. She'd be like, she'd be like, when I feel the click happen, then I know that the the scene is working, the the, the act is working. Yeah. Oh, and I always oh really God, I don't remember with that, that at all. You don't? You were always talking no. about the click. I'm going for the <laughs> click. It was like as much about structure as about like the emotional intense, like you really like got it. Like you felt it so like I, I don't know I just thought I'd bring that back Meg you don't remember really no no but you know oh, my brain's dead right now <laughs> it's so like it stayed with me so much I think about it I'm like do I have the click in the scene uh, so I get to ask the second question which is what pisses you off about writing I think honestly it pisses me off that it's so hard you know it it, it you know I don't some people say <laughs> oh I love writing and and I do love writing but it is hard and you are like wrestling and, and I just think, God damn, you know, and I'm here by myself, you know, it's like, if you're, if you're directing, you've got a lot of people around you to bring you a sandwich and, and say, Hey, let's, well, let's talk about this. Let's try this. When you're writing, I mean, some people have a partner and maybe they bring them a sandwich, but I mean, it is, um, it is really hard to write to the satisfaction of yourself you know, and to not look at it the next day and go, oh, this sucks. Fuck, you know, and then do it more, do it again, do it again. You know, it's hard. That is so true. Sometimes, yep. especially lately, I'm like, this scene is like wrestling a python. <laughs> it is squeezing me to death. It's going to swallow me. I don't, I cannot get it to work on all those levels with all the, I can't get the click. I can't get all of those <laughs> engines, things firing in this scene that everybody wants all this stuff. Yeah. Right. And it has to be super simple and only in five pages. Okay. Ready to go. <laughs> it's just like, it's like a Python. It is wrestling. And I, I have this dream, Dana, which I'm going to tell you in case you want to join me. <laughs> I, I have, I so many writers I know uh, at all levels feel this way about the isolation and what can't someone ruin me a sandwich or can I go to the water cooler and just complain about the Python with somebody? Yeah. Cause it's just, I like, I want to have this compound where it's just, everybody's writing in their rooms, but oh there's a God. water cooler and there's a table and there's an outside and there's a view Ooh, so that you can walk out and see a view. And <clears throat> we're just kind of 
trying to be together. That's why community is important. We say this all the time on the show. And, you know, okay, we can't have a compound. I do think for all the uh, emerging writers, pro writers, that this is important. It's part of the reason we do the show. All right, Jeff, ask the last question. I would love to sign up for that compound, by the way. I don't know. <laughs> it's so brilliant. Okay, we got four people. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dana, the last question we ask is if you could be remembered for one passage or scene that you've written, uh, what would that be and why? Oh, <laughs> Uh, I, I'll, I'll have to say that it's just something current that, you know, I, I, I'm sure there are things that in um, other movies that I've written that I feel strongly about, but for me, the, the uh, moment in the woman King is when Izogi says to Nawi, you are powerful, more powerful than you even know. And I just, I don't have a daughter. I have a son, but I just, I feel like right now women need to hear this and I want to see them take their power. And so right now that feels like something that I would hope would, would live on. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> in all of that, everything that you just said, I, I, belong to a Facebook group with lots of women in it. And I posted, please watch the woman King. And I even time coded the moment where the, uh, the woman King and, you know, her, her best friend are walking and someone shoots him and then she puts up her sword <laughs> she puts and, up and the, the bullet sword. flings out of her hand and she just hands her the other sword. And I'm like, I need a meme of this running like in a loop in the background, just about like female power and walking into danger and facing it head on. And like, oh. your friend is there by your side. And one, you know? the other line, I forgot the final part of it. You are powerful more than you even know. Do not give your power away. That is the yes. final yes. part of it. Yes. And you know, yes. it's, it's, oh, yes. and that's to every human, yes. but especially women. Uh, don't give your power away. We do it. We are we are enculturated to do it. We are enculturated to give our power away to service other people. And sometimes that is an incredible gift. Be you a mother, a great friend. We're not saying that is not a superpower to also do that, but holy smokes, don't do it to yep. get identity. Don't do it to get some passive aggressive power. Oh, I, Dana, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yes. I just am so excited about it. I totally agree. I Brilliant. totally agree. We have three uh, questions that we always ask at the end um, to wrap it up. So I'll ask the first one, which is um, what makes you, you know, the happiest about writing? Uh, you know, I've discovered over the past year that one of the things that makes me happiest is conversations like these. Honestly, I love talking about writing. I love being in conversation with fellow creators and an audience. And when you do get lucky enough, have a movie go in the theaters you get to do that so it's the best that's awesome uh so what pisses you off about writing uh probably the hardest thing is the solitary nature of it you know it's just uh that's that was something that didn't bother me when i was as much when i was younger but is less and less appealing um but then again after uh, months and weeks in writer's room, you're dying to be alone. So, you know, it's always the grass is always Isn't greener. It? It's always yeah. the yin and yang of it. <laughs> yep. And then finally, Jeremy, if you could be remembered for one scene that you've written, what scene would that be and why? Of something I've actually written or just something I wish I had written? No, that you've written. <laughs> that <laughs> I've written. <laughs> uh, 
you know, I love, I do love the scene uh, at the, at the hayride where people don't know who this guy is. And, you know, just that moment where it's like, it just strikes the, the audience and the girls in particular who just can't help it. They're freaking out. He's tapped into something. Um, and it, that is scary and liberating and exciting all at once. And just like the, the reaction of the guys around them who are just like flipping out, like what the fuck is happening? And just the birth of this Dionysian God in front of everybody's eyes, you know, was, was one of the most exciting things. And I felt that the movie, the scene that I watched on screen really brought it to life. Uh, so I was super excited scene. about it's that. It's a great scene. Yeah. I agree. Great scene. Yeah. Jeremy, well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being Thank you on the guys show. so much. This was so much fun. Thank you. What do you love about writing or directing or both? What do you love about being a storyteller? Storytelling. <laughs> <laughs> what do you I, love about I, it? I, I, um, I love the... I love the humanity in it. I love the, I love feeling I'm a uh, empathetic person. Uh, You know, my mother is, she called herself an empath. Um, I, I, and so I, I, I like things that make me feel whether I'm creating them or someone else is that's, that's what matters to me. And, and being able to, I think stories have had the biggest impact on history, you know, of anything. Uh, and and you know you go through and you see well how are people changed? Um, they're changed through stories. They're changed through parables. They're changed through you know you you look at religions. What are they using as tech? Those are all narrative. Those are narratives. And so I think it's a very powerful uh, medium. And to be able to work in it is a, a you know I'm ve- feel very fortunate. And I've been telling stories my whole life. I just made up. I was a kid. I made up. I played make believe. So this is. This is what I, I don't know how to do anything else. Um, so anyway, that's what I love. I love, I, you know, I love, I love, I love all of it. All right. That sounds what corny. Piss- no, it's not at all. It's great. What pisses you off about it? Um, oh man, I'm getting myself in trouble. Um, what pisses me off is the, um, I love the, the craft and I love the product. I do not love the pageantry. I'm not of uh, the pageantry of all of it becomes um, that's where you don't actually have to be a talented storyteller to be relevant. And that I'm not as interested in. Fair. Yeah, totally fair. And Joe, of course, um, we love to ask as of right now, if you could be remembered for one scene that you've written, what would it be and why? Okay. Um, the 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 killmonger scene with the little boy and his dad um i i wrote that scene in one pass i asked to write i i told ryan i said i i want to do that scene um and it was just because i understood both sides of it um i did not grow up with a, a, a dad but i am a dad and so i that scene just resonated with me and so i was like you know, I want. I'm going to do this one, and then I wrote it, and and no one touched it. He he wouldn't rewrite it. He he was. I was like, I'm not going to touch that scene. And you know, and we rewrote everything. And so I think that was. I don't know. That's a hard question because it's kind of 
a little bit self-aggrandizing, but like no, on an emotional no. level. But on you as an artist, we're so interested. That's you as an artist. Um, yeah. It's you out in the world. It's so, it's very powerful. And that is an incredibly powerful scene. I'm going to add one question here. Um, yeah. What is some, just one piece of advice you'd give to writers who are coming into this business now, like emerging writers? If What did you wish you knew when you, when you came in? That it's, um, I think you, I think time as you get older and you are more experienced, you realize that it just takes time and that, and that a no or, or, or a, a script you've worked on and it doesn't actually get made or the, like the, all of the things that, um, all the, dis- the, the disappointments are growth opportunities. And it's really about perseverance. And it's really about focusing on craft. And if you're good and you keep at it, that victory, the thing that you get that where it does work is so it's it's worth all of the all of the the times you fell on your face. It just is. And 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 you'll go, I would go back in a heartbeat and fall on my face that number of times for the for the for the wins. And so that's the that's the one thing I, I think I didn't. I, you know, I just, I, I'm just stubborn and, and got a big chip <laughs> on my shoulder. And so like, but, but it's, so it, it, you know, but, but I think, I think that's, that's the one thing that I would say. Great advice. advice. Yeah. Very yeah. good advice. Thank this you. This was fun. Yes. Oh, thank you so, so glad. Much, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. What brings you the most joy when it comes to your writing? Oh, gosh. Uh, what brings me the most joy? Just that question fills me with joy, quite honestly, because I'm 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 now my my body is having a visceral reaction to it. Um, I think it is. I'm kind of in the middle of it right now. I'm doing a rewrite on a screenplay. And when you know that you've done well on a scene or something's clicked or you've figured something out, uh, I get giddy with excitement. And I, But I also feel like I can never be too far from my computer because there's, it's for me, it's like a little magical portal. So I think the process, as hard as it is, and I think I love, I love the show because you talk a lot about how you're fitting together the puzzle pieces and it's math. And I go, yeah, but when the math comes together and you go, oh, that's what I've been trying to say. Oh my God, that's that's it. That's the heart of it. When the character finally speaks that truth, that's, I think, the most, that fills me with joy. That's lovely. So what pisses you off about writing? The math. <laughs> when you know that there's something that you're trying to get to and you just can't get to it, that's what pisses me off. And I feel like that's, but I feel like that's what we all go through. And I just wish that there was a, not that there was a formula, but I wish there was a formula. I wish that I could go, oh, let me just plug in these character traits. And this is the trajectory. And these are the, you know, here's my midpoint and here's my act one break and whatever. And although I guess maybe AI is going to create this for me, right? But I just wish it was a little bit easier because sometimes I fight with my theme and I re and I start with one idea of what it is. And then I get to the end and I go, Oh, 
that was the wrong theme. And you have to go back through it and go, well, let me go through the whole thing and let it ripple through. Um, again, it's this project that I'm working with. I thought I was working writing one script and they were like, no, 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 you're writing a different script. Still good, still fun. That doesn't happen every time. That happens every time to me. It does. <laughs> I've never not had that happen. I've never not had that happen. <laughs> It has, to, about it. it has to teach you it's like you have to write it for it to teach you what it's actually about and it's like that gap between starting it with the excitement of what you thought it was about and then learning that it's something else can be so challenging it can be so heartbreaking or challenging I, I don't think. know what you guys are talking about every first draft I've written is like genius <laughs> okay. it's just like <laughs> diamonds on the page <laughs> you know, here's the, but here's the thing I don't understand is like how then you can get something like Casablanca that wasn't finished, you know, that they were writing as they go. How did they do that? And I just, I was just rewatching The Born Identity and I was like, I had heard the story. I'd had um, lunch with the executive on the show, on the movie. And he said, yeah, we were running and gunning. We did not have an ending for this movie. We were running and we were creating, writing scenes as Jason Bourne was running through the Berlin train station. We were throwing pages. Like it was like, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Feature that animation. animation. Let's it, talk about feature animation. Animation can be like that. And what happens is you're going so fast that all of the kind of self-doubt and, and stuff that pushes good stuff down, it you don't have time for it. And so it's this weird experience of it just comes out. Like under that pressure cooker, you just, you don't have time to avoid it. You It just erupts under the stress of it. I would not suggest it as a technique. And yet it does sometimes work. <laughs> yeah, that'd be interesting to see if there's a way to like put people through boot camp where their life is on the line and they have to write a screenplay as quickly as humanly possible. Let's see how it comes that out. That sounds like a terrible reality show. <laughs> <laughs> write or die. It's called write or die. What do you think happens to most writers? <laughs> exactly. We would all die. That might get greenlit. I wonder if we should protect that. Maybe we cut that from the show because, Lauren, you might actually have a really sellable idea there. <laughs> right or die. <laughs> yeah. Like the the room you're in, the room you're in, like it's smaller, oh my god, likes on each side. The ceiling is coming in. It gets really hot. Like every time you up the physical stakes to see if you can not get up and go to the bathroom and eat chips, like you must stay. Like wind is blowing on you. Your kids yelling in your ear. Like what can you handle and keep writing? I, I'm going to sell this reality show. Let's do it. Yeah. Isn't that just being a writer though? I, I don't know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Kelly, the last question we always ask is, and for you, it can be about your work as an executive developing or your writing because you have such a storied career, but we like to ask what is one scene that you would love to be remembered for and why? Oh, one scene, whatever, you know, it could also be project or like, it's a legacy related question. And I'd, I'd be curious to hear how you, how you interpret it and what you think. The legacy question. You know, someone asked me uh, a couple years ago um, when I first started on this trajectory, she said, what's your magnum opus? And I thought, well, that's a really big, heady, kind of arrogant thing to ask someone because I don't think you know what it is until you've done it. I think you just have to bring as much of yourself to whatever project. So I don't know that I know what it is yet. I think I'm I don't think I'm, I feel like a baby right now. And I feel like I, it's going to come out eventually. 
but I don't know that I've plumbed the depths of my own emotional um I'm not going to say trauma because trauma means that it would have to be terrible, but I think there's probably something in me that I'm not yet, I've not yet figured out what I want to say. I don't have my catcher in the rye yet, but I don't think that, I don't think that catcher in the rye was meant to be catcher in the rye. I feel like some of the, some of these things are, they become part of the zeitgeist. They become legacy after the fact. I think that, is there a show you helped create that you would look back as an executive and say that you were so proud of having helped usher that show on, you know, because you talked about how important it was and it's very legit uh, to be an executive and help people uh, articulate and create their and manifest their shows and dreams. Is there anything that, that you you feel so glad that you were one of the birth mothers? Yeah, I would say, uh, I would say anything um, for sure, you know, living single people come up to me all the time and say how much living single meant to them. They still say that about girlfriends and they're sort of a cut of the same cloth. I think there were women out there who were desperate to see themselves on television. And I do think that had I not been there in that executive role, they may not have lived because I think particularly girlfriends, there was a lot of, a lot of points in, in the, the birth of that show that it could have died, that I had to stand up and say, no, 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 we have to keep going. We have to keep going. We, sh we reshot, we, we recast some uh, characters. Um, we couldn't find Golden Brooks until I brought her to my casting director. And I said, I just saw her on Frank's place. You got to put her in. We had some story things that happened in the very beginning um, where I actually, went to my boss and I pitched him the, the, the story. And then I went and pitched it to the writers because they hadn't cracked it. So I do think that there's the DM, my DNA is in both of those, obviously as a black woman. So, yeah, I think you're right. The, the, maybe in hindsight. And yet I feel like there's a little bit of a distance because when you're development executive, you step off the train after 13 episodes and somebody else carries that all the way through every season and so what they remember what the show remembers what those ex those those writers and those um directors and the and the talent in the trenches remember is not that you had the first meeting with queen latifah with your boss uh and that you packaged her with kim coles and that everybody else came after they don't hear they don't remember that they remember oh that person who was our production executive was in the trenches with us years year after year and i I had at one point when, when Linwood Boomer won his Emmy and got up and he gave his Emmy speech um, and he didn't mention me at all. And I had gone through eight drafts of the script with him. Granted, it was perfect on, on draft two. We just like screwed around for another six, you know, drafts just so that we could hold on to it, honestly. Um, but when he didn't mention me because, and I was the one who bought the script. I was the the first call, you know, uh, I was, I was hurt, but I also remembered that's why I wanted to become a seller because I wanted to be more close to the, I wanted to be close to the product. I wanted people to be, remember that I was part of the blood, sweat and tears of the, of the show. And I wanted to now, now I'm going to be that person, right? I will be that person. Um, but yeah. Which is I, so awesome. Like it's such a trajectory, right? Like slowly stepping closer and closer to be that person because that's where you where you are and where you need to be and where the universe needs you to be 
What brings you the most joy when it comes to your work? I would say from a writing standpoint, it's, you know, you're constantly rewriting, rewriting, rewriting. There's this little moment of joy when you hit on a certain cadence or, you you know, a scene changes in a way where you're moved or you find yourself tear up or choked up or laughing out loud or whatever. There's great satisfaction in finding that little nugget. As a director, it's, I think, watching actors say the words and it just sometimes is just so much better. You know, you go, wow, <laughs> somebody's going to give me credit for writing that. And they <laughs> wouldn't have, but for the fact that that was Emma Thompson saying it, you know, or not Emma, it was Kelly, but, you know, Clint Eastwood or Kevin Costner or whatever. Um, so that, that gives me a, a great amount of joy. And then every time that happens, you think maybe I can do this. Yes, awesome. Just by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so here is the second question. What okay. pisses you off about your work? Oh, let's see. Oh, um, from a directing standpoint, the it's it's a couple of things are frustrating. One is you come into prep, you have a certain number of days. I remember Clint Eastwood told me one time. Um, you know, there's always going to be, how can we save money this, this way or that way or whatever, hold on to your days. Cause the first thing they'll say is we need to cut the budget on this. And the fastest way to cut the budget is just take out days. Cause, okay, let's say you, your days on Mr. Harrigan's phone are, I mean, he's going to throw a number out there. They're $250,000 days, two twenty, $220,000 days. So you can go boom, boom, boom. Let's take out five days and we've got a million out, you know? Um, and that's not always good for the movie because you have to look at it and you go, I can't do this justice in this amount of time. And so you fight that fight all the time and you end up, yes, we can cut this we can cut that. But then you always have to you know, draw a line in the sand and go, I, I, I we can't cut this. Why make the movie if we're going to cut this scene, this location, whatever. And then there's always the, the arguments about this location's too far away. But it's, I said, well, find me something that's just as good and close and I'll shoot there. But I can't find it. So there was one in Connecticut that was a, an old quarry that was a brownstone quarry where all the brownstones in New York were built from this quarry. And it was magnificent to look at. But it was, you know, it was a good four hours. So we were going to have to go. We were going to have to stay in a hotel. We were going to have to shoot all day and then come back late at night and all that stuff. And so from a line producer standpoint, I understand like this is a nightmare. I go, yeah, but it's, it's worth it. So anyway, that um, also there's the, oh my God, this happens every single time. And part, partly, it's tr partly it's valid, but from a studio standpoint, you get a cut of the movie. And the first thing they said, the first thing they always say is, uh, it starts too slowly. Can we just rev this up? You know, this, things don't start happening until this. Just get rid of as much of the first act as you can. And you go... Guys, the reason it works is because we're establishing characters and themes and all these things. And then when things start to happen, you already find yourself involved. But they never quite get that. So you end up kind of meeting, meeting them halfway sometimes or whatever. But John, you're a writer-director, so I'll be interested to see how you answer this question. But we always ask our guests, if you could be remembered for one scene that you've written, what would it be? 
Um, so you can answer as a writer or director, or if you want, mm-hmm. you could consider kind of both of those tracks. And I'd be curious to hear your answer. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there are, there, are, there are several scenes that I'm very, very proud of. Um, I'm the founder. The ending of that movie and coming to the idea that, I mean, it's like, what is a name that the questions for that movie is kind of, what is a name? What is your family name? What does that mean? Does your does your name imply good things, bad things, respectful things? And I just wanted to get Michael Keaton as Ray Kroc to a point where he could lie to everyone else, but he couldn't lie to himself. And he don't, you can't say that because he's practicing a speech in a mirror. So it takes the genius of Michael Keaton to see that in his face, like, I'm a liar. This wasn't the first McDonald's. Mine wasn't the first McDonald's. And then he kind of rallies from it and leaves and disappears. And that's the end of the movie. So that's a scene that I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of just because I think it works and makes us understand Ray Kroc in a way that it's not, he didn't get away with it because he, there are mirrors all around his house. Such a good lesson because it's focused on one question. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I think what you're saying for our writers who are listening is like, it's a perfect encapsulation of the entire theme of the movie in a moment. Yeah. And when we can like strike gold like that in our work, we know we're hitting, we know we're getting that bullseye. That's so hard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think also, um, yeah, I mean, there, I would say there's you know, at least a couple of scenes in every, every movie that I go, wow, that, that I'm very proud of that. That turned out great. So anyway, but that's one that comes to mind. Wow. Amazing. Telling the truth. Love it. What brings you the most joy about your writing? Watching great actors take it and run thrills me, just thrills me. And um, the collaboration, once I'm done with being locked in the cell and taking it out to a team, God, it's just thrilling. Okay, here's the second question. What pisses you off about writing? (laughs) It's lonely. It's lonely. You know what else pisses me off? Putting hours and hours and hours and weeks and months into a script and then turning it in and no one bothers to read it for another couple of months. And then they treat it like, why can't you make this better? You know? uh, Yep. Yeah, the flippancy. You feel like you bled on the page and then, you know, I totally understand. Yeah, yeah, it's like. uh, Or they never respond, which is my favorite. The ghosting, I just can't get over it. Oh, it's so rude. It's so rude. And the other thing is, um, we all hate notes, right? But when you get a lot of wonderful, very specific notes, it means that that your executives or your studio or your producer, they're really into it. And they want to make it. They want to make it work. You should be worried if you don't get many notes. And they're general. It means yeah. Oh, true. Yep. 
Yeah. You know, that's a good insight. Keep going. We're loving what you have. Keep going. Oh, God. <laughs> just put me, just, no, just pull it right now. God, just tell me if that's the note you're going to give me. Because I know what that means. <laughs> so wise. Um, Jane, the final question we ask is if you could be remembered for one scene that you've written and it could be from TV, play, movie, anything, what would that scene be and why? Oh, oh, that's a hard question, isn't it? It's almost cruel. I know it really is. It's mean. And it also requires my use of memory, which isn't that good. Um, all right, we can amend this. If it is such a mean question, it seems to stump a lot of our guests. So perhaps you've inspired us. A scene yes. that you love, a scene that you've written that you love. Is that just as hard? Sorry. Yeah. I tried to rewrite it. Sure. It didn't work. <laughs> well, no, that's that's a really good rewriting. Here's this thing. By the time I've gotten through the final shooting draft, I love every scene because every scene has to have something big in it. You know, every, I, I can't separate the scenes because they're all, they all mean something to me. That's when you know you have a script that's ready to go. That's beautiful. I love that. Jane, thank you so much for being on the show. It was, to use your word, delightful. And uh, so thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure to be with all of you. And um, happy writing, everyone. And hush up those voices in your head. Write with delight. What brings you the most joy when it comes to your work? That could be writing, but Domi, you're an artist as well. So what brings you the most joy in your creative life? I think like when I show a drawing or pitch an idea to uh, someone and I get like like a really big reaction out of them. I, I really love making people laugh or like kind of like uh, surprised or shocked. Um, I really get a kick out of that so just constantly being able to surprise people is like really fun for me um it's kind of like this drug and this high that I love to chase with with my work so yeah I think I think for me there's a moment after I've written something it doesn't happen with everything but every now and then um there'll be something that I get I get down and after I write it, there is a feeling of satisfaction that feels like joy. And it feels like the little hamster in the wheel just stops <laughs> and just rests. You know, it's like the little hamster's like, good job. <laughs> and Aww, I, I have this moment good of, job, I just have a moment of peace. Mm. And then the wheel starts up again. And, you know, and then I have to chase that, uh, not even a high, but chase that moment. But that feeling of satisfaction is is almost like bliss. So uh, what pisses you off about your work? <laughs> so many. Uh, uh, yeah. This is us off? Like, hmm. Like, I get, well, I get very 
despondent or angry at myself, if I feel like I'm not being a good steward of it, mm. like if I feel like I'm not taking care of it, because mm. I feel like I've been entrusted with something, you know, and um, that, and I, and I also think conversely, that part of me uh, gets very angry at the rest of me, <laughs> you know, like, stop it, stop, stop doing this to me. You know, I just want to cavort in a field and you're making me pull a plow. Why are you doing this to me? You know, uh, that, that, that's a nice little struggle inside. <laughs> uh, notes. notes. <laughs> Love it. So honest. JK, JK. There you go. Mm. No, I mean, sometimes it's like the timing, like a badly timed note will always like throw me and I'd be like, what? why are we talking about this right now? <laughs> like, like, let's, let's, let's talk about that yeah. later quiet you know like it, it just throws me and I get really annoyed <laughs> at like a badly timed note uh yeah yeah Absolutely. Absolutely. as someone who used to have to come in and deliver notes to you you have always been very gracious oh thank you <laughs> you, you had to watch her foot her foot will go up and down really quickly she'll be like very calm like, mm -hmm. and then like this little foot. <laughs> Everybody knew I had a certain, I had a certain knock, right? Come in and be like, hi. So we're going to do a yeah. drive by with the director before you're ready. <laughs> you were really good at, yeah. The, being the messenger. <laughs> the biggest gift that Lauren and Meg have given to me on this show is like the validation that every writer feels that way. You know, even though notes are a part of the process, it feels like an attack when you first get them because- yeah, you've bled on the page. You've given everything yeah. and the language that they've given to us and I'll do the Pixar version, but it's screw you is the first feeling you feel toward the person giving the note. And then it's screw me because you know, they're right. And you feel like a failure. And then yeah. once you move through those two feelings, it's what's next because you've got to move on. So yeah, that's the yeah. gift that Megan Lauren gave to me in the very first episode yeah. of this show. Screw you. Yeah. Screw me. <laughs> Screw you. Screw me. Yeah. Just don't get stuck. <laughs> Just don't that? get stuck in the first two. That's yeah, you gotta move, you gotta really move through them. Yeah. It's like the That's stages good. of grief. I'll use um, that. Thank you. And then the the final question we always ask um is of all your work, you know, it could be for you, Julia, plays, TV, it could be turning red. And then Domi, obviously with Bow and Turning Red, we'd love to know what's the scene at this point in your career that you'd want to be most remembered for. Yeah, I guess I mean the the one thing that pops into my mind is um our big act 3 climactic battle where May defiantly twerks in front of her mom and wards her her giant monster mother away with with her gyrations uh and we're playing it with like all of the seriousness and epicness of like a Marvel battle scene. <laughs> um <laughs> Yes, I'm I'm most proud of that scene. I think it worked amazingly. Like it, like it was like an idea in my head. I remember pitching it to people and people being unsure about it for a very long time and then it all kind of came together and that I feel like that's so quintessentially me. Um it's weird. It's uh yeah, it's like full of conflict, drama, um absurdity, uh humor, um and that's shock you were talking it's, about, it's right? Shocking. And it's that's very shock shocking. That, yeah, yeah. It's so yeah. good. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I guess I'm pretty sure if anyone remembers me, uh, it'll be for something from one of my plays. Um, there are certain speeches 
um, that I feel like would be the ones that people remember me if they do. Um, mostly speeches where someone is talking about understanding something for the first time, whether it's death or food or a memory, you know, and I think that's probably the closest I have to what my voice is like in its purest form. Um, so maybe something in there would get remembered. Awesome. Amazing. What brings you the most joy when it comes to your writing or work, creative work? Oh, um, what brings me the most joy? Um, I love when something, I love when something I thought was so important gets cut in the end. It makes me so happy when I was like, everything about this episode is leading to this monologue. <laughs> and then you realize you did so much good work that you don't even need it. That like, it was, it was a, an un, it was an unnecessary appendage and a crutch because you thought you needed to like vent a thing so perfectly. Mm. And it, it's, it's so nice when, for me as a writer, because my crutch is overwriting, when I've when I've worked hard enough to let something too literal go, it makes me feel like I've ascended to another level of writing where I'm like, all right, great. I've gotten to a place where the the writing I did around the thing was enough and everyone did their job. And so I didn't have to just announce it. Yeah. It's it's there. It's yeah. the, it's that weird balance in writing is like it it the tightrope is happening. Don't say anything else. <laughs> because, yeah. such a skill like craft wise and psychologically emotionally like identity wise so yeah good for you know, you. Like, yeah. you know there's like yeah. certain sports where you don't hit it your hardest you hit it the right amount like i think tennis is like that that you're not you know it's there's a perfect balance there's parts of writing that are like that where it's like don't don't go too hard just delicately put down the jenga piece on the top and step away from the thing, you know, but that's hard. It's not, you know, that's not intuitive. That's a, that's, that's technique. And I think anytime yeah. there's a writer that you've gotten a little bit better, it's just like wildly satisfying, even if it was entirely subconscious or by accident. Yeah. All right. So the second question is what pisses you off about your work? All of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that, that, um, I, I mean, yeah, all of it. Uh, writing is awful. <laughs> it's, an awful it's an awful experience. Uh, it's a terrible thing to feel compelled to do, to have to, to, have to explain everything to yourself, to have to write, uh, you know, obsessively all day. I write everything down. I have to write every little thought I, I articulate to myself. I have to write down like I'm some sort of like, I think I'm just so, so fucking smart. Like everyone's going to find my phone after I die and go through it and be like, look at all these genius things you never put out. <laughs> like I hate that I feel some uh, obsessive need to document everything um, and use none of it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just there endlessly. Um, I, I feel like I'm trying to write myself into becoming a quiet person sometimes and it's never going to happen. Oh I just God. desperately want to be a person who just shuts the fuck up finally at some point in life. Like, I hope I get to my death, but I'm just like, I said it all. <laughs> <laughs> just die. <laughs> you know? 
Oh, I just uh, I realized what my life's purpose has been this whole time, which is yeah. to say it all. And so yeah, I, I, thought I, of all I don't of think it. I'll ever get there. <laughs> no, of course not. But I want to be like, yeah, I thought of that too. Yeah, I had that thought. I wrote that down once too. You know, I just, I, <laughs> I'm like constantly trying to discover things for no particular purpose. Um, but, you know, I think what I, what I hate most about writing is, is that there is no, um, there is no good draft. It's, it's, it's always bad. It's, it's good for a second and then it's bad forever. And finally, at some point it stops being yours and you watch it after a bunch of other people have touched it and enough other people have touched it that it doesn't feel like yours and you can just watch it objectively, hopefully, mm. and not hate it to death. Um, but as long as it's in your possession, it's always bad, except for like the five minutes of confidence that you have after you finish the draft. Which is and right I, before I, you click send. Right before right. you click send, you're Those like, vibes, you're like I'm me. ready. And then click <laughs> and then it's like, it. oh, I no. But it's, yeah, it's more like dragging yourself to the finish line than any like great accomplishment. And I think I've just had to learn to to accept the fact that like it is it is falling with style to quote a Pixar movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's just we're endlessly plummeting to our deaths as writers and just hoping that like we don't hit everything on the way down. <laughs> just... <laughs> You know, it's so interesting talking to you, like the, my feeling of the show is like, there's this super high highs of joy and fun. And then these like very deep emotional truths. And that's what this interview has been like with you, right? You're full of joy <laughs> and fun. And then like, we're falling to our deaths all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like yeah. you, all, your we, we voice, hands on the way down. that is your yeah. voice. Your that voice is, your is voice. just so coming through and true in the show. So congratulations I'm a, like, I'm a on true- that pessimistic optimist same like yes. i i yep. i think everything is fucked and i think we should just enjoy it and have as much fun as possible while we're here um we are our motto me and david's motto together is energy up expectations down which i think really summarizes <laughs> that it's like we gotta be all in but like n- nothing's gonna happen <laughs> just, <laughs> totally oh my god i'm just... writing that also on my wall. we gotta be all in but nothing's happening energy yeah. up Nothing yeah. is real until it's real and it's never real. Yeah. So whatever. And even then, <laughs> by the time it's real, you're too tired to enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're just like, like oh my exhausted. God, can we just finished this already. Yeah. We yeah. just had like our two premieres. We were like, aren't you excited? I was like, I want to go to bed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm over this show. <laughs> I want to go do something else. It That's is so true. Yeah. By the time yeah. you've developed it all the way to it being as good as it is, you kind of hate it. And it's like, you're ready um, to move on. It's yeah. Oh my God. Get me out of here. Get, it's like, I, <laughs> It's like when, it's like Tony Stark when he's building the Iron Man suit in the cave. And they're like, "What a great suit! Like, Get me out of this cave!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so true. Um, this will be an interesting one, Raphael, because your career started so young. But one thing we act like to ask our writers is if you could go back and you know, like, have a coffee with your, you know, the version of yourself who's just about to start their artistic journey. What would you tell? What would you tell that Raphael? Uh, I would probably tell him, uh, "Your anger is not serving you." Uh, I was a super angry teenager, super, super angry. And it did fuel my art for a little while. And it did help me. Um, it did it did propel me through um, the frustration of, of trying to like feel seen in some way. Um, what the art scene did for me was give me permission to be less angry, to be more vulnerable. In a, in a world, I think the outside of those artistic spaces that wasn't available to me. And so I do think like a certain amount of roughness was necessary. Um, but I think the 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 unfortunate part of that roughness was it made me really cherish a, a, a hostility 
that is a part of my life that I have to, that I think a lot of my art is about unpacking. And so on the one hand, I'm, I'm grateful for it because I think it has shaped me in a lot of ways, but I do wish it had dictated less of my choices younger um, because I, I, I didn't afford myself things that a lot of my peers were allowed who, who didn't come from those circumstances or didn't come up in that environment. Um, but even the ones who did, like, I'm, I'm sure I, I stopped myself from wanting to go into theater really young, but David didn't. And he has all these amazing theater experiences that I think I really kept myself from. I think the way in which I engaged with music was really like, it was a time in, in music where I was particularly hostile and like it was about machismo and it was about these things that I think are interesting to dissect now, but ultimately are things that I'm always trying to like, it's the, it's the thing. I think a lot of men are doing is like trying to unlearn all these things all the time. But I think at, at 14, 15, it was like so important to me um, to like, to to be intellectually sound in the in the writing that I was doing, but to be like emotionally very, very careful. And it was so strategic. Um, and now I think I'm, finally I'm getting to a place in my art where I'm okay with my art telling me something about myself. Um, not, not me trying to say something very particular through my art. And so I really like now to our point earlier about getting notes on a script, I like other smart people going, you know what you're going through right now <laughs> in your writing <laughs> is this. And me getting to sit with that and not be defensive in the same way I've been since I was a kid and instead go, Oh God, uh, uh, that might be true. Let me go sit with that, you know, and also now help other writers go through that who I think were, were who came up the same way that I did and go, you know, I don't think there's a way for you to be a writer without fully embracing the truth about yourself. I just don't think it's possible. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can ease into the water, you know, and I, I certainly did. I, I baby steps all the way into that vulnerability, but the path is it's full vulnerability. And I think what we as writers sometimes cringe at with other writers is people who are not, who have gotten too high up the ladder without quite enough vulnerability. And we go, the reason I can't engage with your art is you haven't. What brings you joy uh, when you write or direct, create, shall we say? What, mm. what brings you the most joy? Oh, gosh. Um, oh, that's. I love when something I never expected to happen happens on the page, you know, or happens on the set. It's like I showed up and I thought there was going to be one thing that happened and this other complete surprise lands in my lap. It's so exciting. And it like it gets back to that discovery process and why the writing feels like such a journey. I feel like I'm going to buckle up for it and not know where it's going to take me. And I, I love that. Awesome. So what pisses you off? <laughs> what pisses me off? Let's see. Um, God, a lot, a lot these days. Well, about your, about creating. I was about create. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, that's a, wait, how much time do you have? <laughs> we could do a whole podcast just called what pisses yeah. you off and have people come on <laughs> and just let them talk about stuff. Right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So what, yeah. I'll start over. What pisses um, you off about things in your creative life? about writing or directing? Oh God. I mean, honestly, it's mostly me. Like I'm just, I'm very often. I'm just, I'm, I'm mad at myself through the process or I feel like I, I 
want to be doing better than I am or like, or I procrastinate. It's like the more I care about something, the more I procrastinate it, you know? I'm the <laughs> it's like, same. I'm exactly the same. Oh, and I hate that about myself because I also know, I know that the one thing that is going to make me feel better is just to sit down and write it. Like when I'm procrastinating or when I'm not writing, I am so cranky. Like I'm so, I'm just like, I'm like unsettled. I'm like, same. I'm just not right in myself. Yeah. And I know that I just need to write, but I don't <laughs> Like, what is wrong with you. You know how to fix this. Why won't you do it? So yes, it's me that pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> it's what we talked about at the beginning, right? Like I'm happiest when I'm writing and I'm in the lava yes. and getting zapped, but I'm terrified that I won't be able to, especially if it's something you really care about, yes. right? Like I'm not yes. going to be able to do this. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So well said. I'm especially interested in this third question, Kelly, because your work is so focused okay. on the lives of young women and girls. But we like to ask mm -hmm. if you could go back and have a coffee with your younger self. And I think especially like your younger self mm. right on the precipice of your creative career. What would you tell that, oh. Kelly? Oh, gosh. You know what? I would tell her to follow her own instincts and like start to develop her own compass and listen to that because I do think at the beginning of my career, I had that thing where when you're a young writer, you sort of, um, and there are people around you who are much more experienced. You're, you're writing saying to yourself, what would so-and-so think is good, you know? And it's, I think it's the worst way to try to write like trying to follow someone else's instincts, you know, I think you have to write what, um, what feels true and funny and, you know, uh, and emotional to you. And I wish I would have, like, I wish that younger person like had a little, had more, had more faith in her own instincts. I would tell her, I would grab her by the shoulders and say, just trust yourself a little more, you know? I love that. I think this is good advice yeah. for me right now. Like there are moments in my career where I'm like, I've got this, I'm doing it. And it's usually when I'm going so fast, I don't have time to think like Meg, you've brought that up before, yes. but then in times where I've got like several different things going on and I'm like, Oh crap, I don't, I don't. I, yeah. So thank you. Yes. That's a good reminder. Yes. Like I'm right. Yeah. I'm right. Is what yes. I have to say. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you are. I mean, cause yeah, at least you, yeah, exactly. Like if it makes you feel something that's, it will make someone That's else feel something if you feel exactly. it. Exactly. Yes. yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. Yep. This was so yeah. fun. What brings you the most joy in your creative life? That could be directing. It could be acting. Co writing. Collaboration. Collaboration. And and it doesn't mean just on writing, but, um, you know, I had some moments where we were recording that score with John Bryan and, uh, you know, a full orchestra at the Sony, uh, uh, I think it's called the Barbara Streisand soundstage where they record, they recorded, uh, the wizard of Oz in there and just that collaboration, Leslie, the editor was there. Um, some moments that I've had with Rob and Glenn and, and David Hornsey and Megan Gans and Rob Roselle, just in the writer's room, laughing, coming up with something that, or even just sitting in the edit room with Tim Roach or, or, um, Josh Driscoll on an episode of Sunny that collaboration with another person, it's probably why the tone of the movie is about just connecting with other people. 
that uh that fills my cup that's awesome so what pisses you off about your creative life <laughs> that is a better question um oof. this is well i get pissed off when i think i i really desperately want to make something good and i feel like it's not good that that pisses me off like i like but there's some muck in my brain i have to get through to and I and I'm I just get mad. I'm like, why can't I figure this out? And why why don't I know the path? You know that that bothers me. Um, and then when uh, people who aren't on the creative side of the business, I think, you know, I had a moment where uh, an agent was slowing down the process of me uh, just getting a poster approved on this movie that's something I had an artist draw it was a beautiful drawing and saying that a, a a performer wasn't happy with their image but I know this performer I was like I don't think there's this person would care at all and I found out that it was just the agent and I said listen I I'm I can have the artist make an adjustment but it's a slow process this movie's coming out soon and the agent said, well, I'm sorry, you're just going to have to do that. This is what I do. And then I had to write a super long email about this. And this has been 10 years of my life. And this performer worked a single day. You know, I'm asking you, please don't make this more expensive and difficult for me. And they finally relented. They said, okay, yeah. But, but um, that drives me nuts. I think uh, because it, the amount of work and effort that so many people put into making something for the audience that any sort of person can be dismissive about that. Uh, it makes me furious. Agree. Dang. Very well said. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The last question we have for you, Charlie, is if you could go back and have like a coffee with your younger self, kind of right on the precipice of their creative career, what would you tell that, Charlie? Wow. I probably w wouldn't tell him anything so that he could have the path that he's been on. I'm, I've, <laughs> like I've, I'm really happy. Don't screw with, it up. Yeah. 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 With, with how it's gone. I'm, um, but uh, in fairness to this question, um, boy, uh, I've been so lucky in terms of getting to do so many different things. I probably, this is a hard one for me because I really, not that I don't think that I've made mistakes. I just think that the mistakes are a big part of how you get to where you are. So I'm I'm comfortable with them. So I'd hate to be I think right. it's a beautiful answer. That's I think great. it's a very beautiful answer. Yeah. Yeah. I aspire to have the same answer one day. Well, you have to try. You have to work on yourself talk then, you know, like uh, the overthinking. Remember, I said that at the beginning. The yeah. Overthinking, the the overthinking. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I probably would say, you know, just just take just continue to take big risks because um, hmm. who, who cares? It's just making movies, you know, um, just just trust it. Mm, that's great. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for being with us. 